The following is brought to you by the Leave It in the Ring Podcast Network. All boxing, no filter. Greetings and welcome to the Boxing Esquire Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Boxing Esquire Podcast presented by The Ring and RingTV.com and distributed by the Leave It in the Ring Network. My guest on this episode is one of my favorite combat sports writers, John Nash from Bloody Elbow. John and I uh, attempted to put together a collaborative article uh, that was a follow-up to my Boxing League article from last year, but it got a little bogged down and stalled, so we decided to do it as a podcast instead. So today uh, we got into our uh, differing ideas on the structure and overarching governing body would take. Then we delved into uh, how revenues would be shared and how uh, antitrust law and and the Ali Act might affect it, and, and what to do about the sanctioning bodies. We also got a little bit into the PBCs potentially issuing their own title belts and how that might play out. So it's a great conversation. I really hope you enjoy. I'm excited once again to have one of my favorite combat sports writers on uh, this episode. Uh, you can find his work on Bloody Elbow at SBNation.com and also on a number of MMA podcast, including one of my favorites, Show Money, which he does with Jason Cruz and Paul Gift. I want to welcome back to the Boxing Esquire podcast, Mr. John Nash. How you doing, John? Thank you. Look at him, a three-timer on the show. <laughs> That's <third> right. Time. <laughs> you got the hat trick now. That's right. That's right. Is there, special, is there a special reward or bonus for people to make it to the third, <laughs> the third episode? Or a Hall of Fame or something like my picture goes up on the wall. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. In 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 my office, yeah, I'm I'm going to frame one of those uh, pictures that you sent where, where you where you get the was it Le, Le Petit uh, Journal or something was it you're reading? Yes, uh, that uh, listen, I like old uh, 1900s French uh, newspapers. What can I say? Nice, 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 nice. Yeah, I think when I was on the the left bank, I, I bought there. There were they had these old like boxing magazines with uh, Marcel Serdan on the cover. Just amazing photographs. There, you know, there's definitely some great publications uh, came out came out of France. But uh, so so how are things well, in I'll Hollywood? Look I'll look for that. Yeah, man. How are things in yeah, Hollywood these days? Uh, yeah, it, it's it's nice and mild. Uh, it's been it's been a off and on warm fall. So can't, you know, can't we can't complain about the weather in this state? <laughs> I will, but we we shouldn't really. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. So today we're going to get into a subject near and dear to my heart, as well as yours: uh, organizing a coherent structure for the sport of boxing. Um, about a year ago, I wrote an article on my blog, uh, boxingesquire.com, outlining how boxing needs to form a league or an association in order to give the sport the the overall structure it's lacking and help bring it back into the mainstream. Uh, talked about how the, the top promoters and entities like the PBC should form an association, agree to administer tournaments similar to the World Boxing Super Series, um, and establish seating so that the best fight the best. Um, the article did not delve into the actual structure of the league, though, or at least didn't get into it in depth. And uh, recently, John and I were uh, collaborating on what was supposed to be a, a part two of the Boxing League article. The idea was to, to flesh out the form and structure uh, of an overarching uh, boxing entity. Uh, we both had some ideas on that front, and uh, the article f- kind of lost momentum <laughs> as we were passing it back and forth. But uh, 
So we decided. It turned uh, into a mon- let's be let's be honest. It turned into a monstrosity. They just uh, <laughs> and 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 we'd have to revise our thoughts every time the other guy would update it. That's uh, right. It, it, was, it was a lot more difficult, let's say, than I imagined it would be when we started. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, still felt it was a worthwhile project. So, um, you know, uh, we're going to present our, our ideas in one place. So, this would be, you know, this podcast being a, a good place to do it. So, um, I guess you know the article we, we had it in kind of Q and A format, so it does kind of lend itself to uh, to do it as a podcast. But um, so, yeah, man, let let me uh, let me just start with the, the first question we had in there, John. It was, uh, what are the basics for a model structure? Um, you know, of this uh, boxing governing entity. Well, I mean, that, right there was the, that opened a can of worms. Because we, <laughs> uh, you know, right away you're trying to think about, okay, we, we want something to govern boxing. And, and so what are the problems with boxing? And for me, the major problems are, I, I guess the biggest problem I think everybody has, and a few people will deny this, is that is we do not get to see the fights we want to see because of all the, the disparate interests in the sport, the politics of the sport. Right. That's one of the, and probably the other one is that the, the sanctioning organizations, the promotions and stuff, they work in a way that sometimes you don't feel that the fighters are legitimately where they're supposed to be in the rankings. Right. So Absolutely. those two, in other words, guys get a title and then they do whatever they can to protect them from having to defend against someone they're sure he can lose to. So you're like, well, that guy doesn't really deserve to be ranked number one. And that gets the other thing is that you can't get these these cross promoted fights. Sometimes you do, but not enough that that we get the fights we want. But then that leads to the other problem, which from a guy that follows MMA, you see on the MMA side, is by forcing fighters to make fights that you basically take their leverage away. Without leverage, all the money starts going to the promoters. So that's the dilemma I always find myself in. Mm. And so when I thought about it, my thinking was. I want a way to compel, I mean, not force, but you want a way to get guys that have the title that have to defend it against people across from the promotions don't matter. And the, because, in a weird way, sure, it's great. Everybody gets mesmerized when Mayweather makes $300 million in a fight, you know, or, or any of the big fights happen and go, that's great that these guys make a lot of money. But what's missed is when fighters don't get an opportunity to fight for the top guy and get that, that position and that notoriety being the best fighter, you're you're not you're not protecting guys from making money on one side. You're actually taking money from the lower ranked, lesser known fighter that might not be as popular because the only chance he's ever going to have to make a lot of money is to fight the best guys. Right. And if you deny him because he's not popular enough, he doesn't have the right promoter, you're actually just taking money from them. So my thinking a couple ways was to try to make it. I don't trust the promoters to work together. So my structure was based on a couple ideas, but one I had, well, one could be federal legislation again, but I don't see that as plausible. But that might work the best if you had really smart guys in legislation that came back to it. But my other option was a um, an association, but not of the promoters, an association of the boxers who put up a series of guidelines to protect themselves, and that would dictate how not just promoters act, but how the sanctioning organizations work. And although this might potentially be an antitrust violation, no one knows for sure. My idea was the, the association would operate as the sanctioning organization themselves. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, I think that I I I, I would be all for that. <laughs> you know, I I mean, if 
Well, I, I think the one one thing you could do, I mean, if you have a fighters association, you could also have, you know, the promoters kind of get a promoters association and get a collective bargaining agreement. And then you could kind of, you know, that would that would kind of erase some of the antitrust that's, worries. Right. Yeah, that's that's the other. I mean, if the fighters were working together on an association, I mean, who knows? Maybe the promoters would feel compelled to have to work together to counter it. Right. They'd be at such a disadvantage when dealing with the boxers. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that makes the, the, the major sports leagues work is this idea, John, this foreign idea, a very complicated thing called integrity, integrity of the sport. Um, you know, that, that's usually a stated goal of, uh, of, you know, and why many of the rules are put into place and, and uh you know just kind of the whole structure of 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 these leagues is to try and you know keep an integrity of the sport um obviously you well, that's not... the big problem with... go ahead sorry that's the big problem with boxing you go through the history of boxing unlike all the other sports boxing is pretty much founded on the principle that we don't have integrity like there's no sportsmanship <laughs> boxing boxing's like like pro wrestling is the only comparable which was very similar and you know that's they're basically identical except pro wrestling became completely fake at some point but box the whole principle of boxing was we are here just purely to make money off people i mean it's in the the bouton's rules one of the rules is literally how you split the purse right of the first seven rules ever written for boxing one of them hey we we, we money is so important we will dictate how the purse is split right 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 yeah i think uh you know, uh, when, when, when you talk about ratings and so on, I mean, I mean, you know, uh, you know, right now you have like the, the transnational boxing ratings board who does independent media ratings. And I remember, uh, I think sometime in, in, in the nineties, maybe the association of attorney generals, uh, I think it was Elliot Spitzer was one of, you know, uh, the, the, the heads of this, but they came up with some recommendations to reform boxing and, and one of the things was to have the uh, have an independent media poll, you know, for ratings as opposed to the sanctioning bodies, harem, scarum ratings. And I think, you know, you have to have that, you know, it, you know, to, to, to oh, reform yeah. the sport. Well, that, there's got to be independent, that, that, you know, ratings with integrity. That, that's kind of my idea. If you have an association, one of the rules could be that maybe they can't dictate the ratings themselves. And there is a lot of legal uh, haziness in this because it hasn't been decided. Some of us might cross over into antitrust violations by an association because associations have kind of a limit to what their powers are. But you probably could put in a byline, a byline in the in the uh, the association charter, not the charter, but their mandate. What they want is that members of the association will only accept rankings that follow rating systems that follow these criteria. And then you lay out the criteria. The criteria is pretty specific that you better use independent journalists of a certain number and category to be acceptable. And that way, at that point, it's like, well, uh, uh, sanction organization, if you want members of our association to consider your titles legitimate, then you better start using these, these third-party ranking systems like this, the journalists and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it would be very difficult to get all the sanctioning bodies on board because if they all use the same ratings, it would kind of, you know, I, I mean, I think the sanctioning bodies can, can, I don't know, 
it my idea of it was it was much more limited in scope where you know you just had and and you know my idea was to have the major players meaning the you know pbc and top rank and matchroom and golden boy form an association um and coordinate with each other to just do tournaments um but they would use the the transnational boxing ratings for seeding purposes you know um and and you know and and that they would each coordinate with each other to do the tournaments in in each weight division you know doing like five or six weight divisions a year and spreading those tournaments you know uh, evenly so that, you know, each network got fed and got great fights that people would want to watch and they wouldn't be on the same nights as each other. They wouldn't step on each other. Um, to me, that's, that's like one of the big things that's, that's, that's crushing boxing right now is just fights. A fights don't lead to fights. You know, there's four champions in each division and you, you, you know, it just, it, or four organizations that crown champions. There's even more than four champions now, but, um, you know, that's what cuts, you know, that's why mainstream press and mainstream fans just kind of have lost interest. It's just too confusing. It's too unorganized. Um, you know, to me, if you could just organize the the, the top level and, and get these tournaments going in every weight division and, and all of the networks get fed so that you keep all of this big money that's being spent in boxing so that none of the networks get frustrated and say, oh, you know, it's just a bunch of crap. No one's watching it, um, you know. If we could get to there, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it would be a major uh, step forward. My basic, my basic problem is, oh, it's, you're right, 100%. I mean, it's, it's, it's logical and it's almost a no-brainer that the promotions should work together because there's a lot of money being left on the table by you guys suppressing the interest in boxing and also cannibalizing each other's markets back, you know, constantly going back and forth and, and fighting so much that you're actually spending more. Right. So it's simply a no-brainer they work together, but I still have no faith promoters will work together. <laughs> it's such a cutthroat business, and, and there's there's so many reasons for why. And the payoff of actually winning a battle with another promoter is such that the the payoff makes it worthwhile to risk that sometimes. You mm. dominate a division, and, you're, and you have all the big fights, man, you can cash in for a while. Yeah, so I mean, a, I guess that's what the PBC is, you know, theoretically doing at welterweight, but it, it just leaves such a stink with the fans. You know, I mean, everyone's just so pissed off that you know Crawford is not is not getting his shot or, or fighting any of the top guys that the PBC has and he's just sitting over there you know throwing a frisbee to himself because he's got no one to play with um you know it, it just doesn't seem right and, it, and listen it works the same way with the PBC I mean you look at, at what um you know Jamal Charlo at, at middleweight great fighter um should be fighting Canelo and Triple G and and Andre and you know all the top guys at middleweight but because you know, uh, he refuses to, you know, or the, the PBC, you know, is not going to put him over there on DAZN or in DAZN's not going to let their guys fight on on PBC's network. It just, you know, these guys, their careers are just sitting there dying on the vine. And it's just, it's killing the well, sport. Well, I mean, right there, that kind of gets to uh, one of the problems with the sanctioning organizations are kind of the problem because, I mean, I understand they don't want to dictate everything because there's a problem there when they dictate, when they try to dictate too much, but if the sanction has made it a requirement that you had to fight a certain rated fighter and, and that, you know, that uh, broadcast uh, contracts were not allowable reasons for why you can't defend them, make them mandatory. Well, that would change a lot of things because guys would be like risking losing their title. If they don't, if they didn't co-promote, they'd have to go, okay, we have to go out of our way to co-promote so I can actually hang on to this title because the rule stayed. If I don't, I lose the title. 
but they don't right. want to. They don't. Well, they don't I think. I think the problem is who who holds the real power in the sport, and it, and unfortunately, it's not the sanctioning bodies. I mean, the WBC has tried to mandate some fights. You know, I mean, they tried to get. They mandated a fight between Triple G and and Jamal Charlo, and and both sides just ignored it. <laughs> you know, they're like, nope. Yeah, no, nope, we're not going. We're not going to make that fight. Well, not going to happen. <laughs> and there's also, I mean, based on the history of sanctioning organizations, there's a lot of reasons why we we don't want them to have the power. But that's why I did think when I thought of my association idea that the the boxers make an association, they dictate, they write these rules, they use the leverage of their their mass of power as leverage of everybody else. One, I thought, well, if you go that far, take the extra step instead of having things, you know, the association themselves becomes the sanctioning organization. And the members, you know, basically say we're going to follow the association rating system. We're going to use them as the one that, that crowns the true champ of boxing. And the sanctioning fees could go to stuff like paying, you know, a pension fund or something for boxers. Right, right. No, I, I agree with that. And, and I think, you know, just to expand on that, I think, yeah, if you had both a boxers association and a promoters association and they, you know, kind of. Uh, combined forces like they do in maybe, you know, golf and, and tennis to a certain degree uh, where you have the tournament promoters and, and the players association, you know, forming a board together, each having um, members on the board um, with, with, you know, that, that, that make the rules uh, that govern the sport. I mean, obviously that's the ideal, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, that of course, I should get into when I when I came up with all this. There's also my problem. I know we never got far enough in the article. I had the problem why, why this will never happen. I never I never got to write that. But <laughs> uh, the, I think it's the nature of boxers that they're not they're, the sport and the nature of boxers are never going to get unified enough to put it, to stick together for this. They're going to get the, the key guys will get peeled off, and then the whole thing would fall apart. Yeah, it's amazing because other individual sports, you know, you got the tennis has done it. Uh, uh, you got the, the PGA's done it, and some reason boxers fighters can't do it yeah it's it's you know again it, it's kind of it's just a lack of vision you know i mean these, these other um sports and i guess because you know boxing has existed at just one-off events for so long and in the and the fighters who've benefited from those one-off events and gotten paid a ton of money aren't really incentivized to look out for the greater good of uh, the rest of the fighters you know they're just kind of in there to get theirs and and uh, yeah. you know. even if, even if, and, and again, I'm, even if my system is the, my idea for association is not like a union where you're you're helping the lowest guy. My whole point point is, even the top guys would benefit because the whole point is protecting the boxer to have as much leverage the whole way through the system. Right. That when he's negotiating, he's, he has a less a less course of contract with promoter. He has more leverage with other boxers. He's not denied a chance for uh, big money fights because of the politics. That along the way, vast majority of boxers would probably make a lot more on our system like this than what we have now. Even though a few guys are making a ton, right? Everybody would not only would everybody be better off. Even the top guys, the majority of them, maybe not all, but a majority of them would be probably making more under that system than what we have now. Yeah, I think you know, I agree. I mean, you know, right now you have sanctioning bodies that have mandatory fights, so that that that's kind of like the only way. The only mechanism in the sport right now where you have top guys fighting allegedly deserving contenders, and unfortunately because, you know, ratings are manipulated by promoters or, you know, friends of the sanctioning bodies, 
you don't always get the best fighting the best and and the number one contender is not always the the real number one contender um but yeah i think if you had this this you know if you had integrity in the ratings and you had an agreement of uh of the top fighters to to be willing to submit to 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 tournaments or or some sort of system where they have to fight the very best you know you know once a year or every couple of years i mean i think with the tournaments Oh, because there's just so many weight divisions, you know, and, and I do, I like the tournaments. It's, it's like playoffs in, in other sports. I think it's, uh, it's exciting. And, you know, you get to, if, if people don't know who a certain, you know, champion is in weight classes, you know, as the tournament builds, you know, you get to know them, you know, and you get to see, um, you get to kind of build their brand and build their name and so on. Um, but I guess, you know, for, for me, you know, compensation wise, I mean, you look at how tournaments have gone in the past, um, the World Boxing Super Series, uh, which is, you know, the most recent iteration of, of tournament boxing in, in the pros, they have like set purses and, and winning bonuses. And, you know, and, and at, at, you know, as they've done them, you know, they've, they've either been above market or, you know, close to market Um uh, for, for those big fights, I think maybe in the past, I know when HBO did their um, heavyweight tournament, I'm not sure. I mean, I would assume they had some sort of set purses from the beginning, or maybe they, you know, freshly negotiated each fight. I don't, I don't know how that worked. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure that the Super Six also had kind of set purses, like you know, depending on whether fighters won or lost. Um, how would you see that, you know, as you envision it? I mean, w- would it be like, you know, a more helter-skelter kind of free round of negotiations with, with, with each of these fights? Or would you have set purses um, for each stage of, of, of a tournament? Or, or, I mean, did you anticipate tournaments or would you just have mandatories where the best fought the best? Well, I, I, on my system, I anticipated mostly staying the same as it is. But the association basically making things more legitimate, concrete, you know, that the guidelines are actually followed in that way that, you know, boxers didn't get skipped over and the matches had to take place to retain your title, you know, that, that it was more, it, it just, it was more, I guess the, the objectives that everybody has tried in the past were actually met was more in my head. So people would negotiate the way they do now, but boxers had more leverage because, you know, that they'd have more protections, that the, you know, the Ali Act would be really enforced because now you have an association enforcing it, not just the individual boxers. The association could just constantly file charges against promoters that violate it, stuff like that. But I love the tournament idea. I mean, in fact, if the association wanted to, if they can get away with having a sanction order, they could have a tournament. They right. Host their own tournament to make it like the, you know, I, I, weirdly, the World Boxing Super Series, the idea is almost the savior of boxing. It's right. the perfect thing because if it became so big that people felt that they had to get into it, uh, it would then take a life on its own, and then promoters would have to work with it. The problem I see is that the major promoters are never going to let it reach that point. They have no interest in sending their guys. They're right. the biggest boxes into the tournament. Right, again. <laughs> but pay-wise. Yeah, you got the sport oh, competing oh, against itself. I'll just say, yeah, the, the sport, of course, is competing against itself. It's a great idea, but... Because it's competing against, you know, top rank and competing against, you know, PBC, you know, they're, they're, they have no interest in participating and, you know, are trying to like, you know, 
I mean, e- even if the world helps in rule boxing, it takes control away from the promoter because if you're if you feel compelled to enter your boxer into that, and then he has a chance of losing, it's like, well, uh, you know, especially a good chance of losing. Well, that's a bigger risk on me. Where if I have control over the boxer, I can I can at least you know cash out and set up a few matches. I'm sure he can win, and and cash out on my own network and make the money myself. Where if I put him in the tournament, man, that's risky. There's any other guys of his class. Right, right. You know, I've, I've lost control over the, the future of my boxer, which is dangerous. But uh, pay-wise, I mean, I, I think the world boxing, going forward, if they wanted bigger names, there's a lot they could do besides just paying set fees. You get bigger guys. You could have, you know, they could get percentages. To, they could make rules that boxers get percentage. Especially, let's say they got, like, you know, the biggest names in a, in a tournament, and they put them on pay-per-view. They could say, hey, the boxers get a, a huge share of that pay-per-view revenue. Or you divvy up the octagon or ad time and say, hey, you guys get to sell some advertising. So bigger name boxers on a bigger fight can obviously make more money selling that advertising, their team selling that advertising than a, than a lesser fight would. So that would be a way to, you know, they could, you could have a set of purse amount for the tournament, but other auxiliary sources of income that are different for each boxer. That you know that that's interesting. The the the, the super six, um, like you know, and, and this is another issue we sh- we should probably get into, uh, or people want us to get into <laughs> who are interested in this stuff. But um, you know, shared revenues, and this 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 was something that that came up in in the the PBC definitions, like when when PBC was talking about uh, becoming the UFC of boxing and and how they would do it. Um, you know, one of the things they talked about was flipping the model. And then kind of sharing revenues, which which I was like, okay, what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, working with other promoters and sharing revenues with them, you know, or is it some sort of revenue share with the fighters? I, you know, I, I don't know what exactly they meant by that, but I know that in the Super Six, which is really kind of the only the only tournament that I'm aware of. I mean, maybe you know there are more knowledgeable people in the sport who who know of others, but I know with the Super Six, what what Showtime did was they said, listen, we're, we're going to sell sponsorship for the entire tournament. Um, you know, th- that's on us. You know, you, you know, you six promoters who are in this, you know, that, that's not you. We're going to sell, you know, for you know, tournament-wide sponsorship. We're going to sell that, but we're going to distribute um, the proceeds from that, you know, like one-sixth, you know, to, to each promoter, you know, in, in, in the tournament. We're going to share the revenues from that. Um, and I think, you know, they also said that each, you know, like home promoter, whoever was promoting each individual fight could sell sponsorships as well um, for those individual fights, as long as they didn't, you know, conflict with um, what, what Showtime was. And I think they also cut it like a merchandise deal, like for, you know, like merchandise for the tournament as a whole would be handled by Showtime, uh, but they would split the revenues with the promoters. I mean, that's something that yeah. you know. You, you know, I mean, didn't uh, did, sorry, didn't uh, Kessler and uh, Abraham's or not Abraham? Uh, who's the uh, the both guys from Germany during the Super Six? Strong space. They were uh, Sauerland uh, promoted them. That was Cali, Cali Sauer. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But didn't both? Didn't they also get to keep like their promoter got to keep like the German TV revenue or something? Yeah, I think I think. Tell, I mean, I'd have to look um, how the, the, the television revenues, like the local television revenues, um, got split up. I mean, I think the way it went um, was they actually had like a home promoter and like an away promoter. So 
um, let's say like the Jermaine Taylor fight with Arthur Abraham, like going over to you know, Taylor went over to Germany, fought Abraham. I think they split the proceeds 70 30 um, between um, Sauerland and, and Devel Entertainment. So like the away promoter got 30 percent and the home promoter got 70 percent of like kind of the net revenues of the event there. Um, yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, you're right. I remember now. I remember. But yeah, but you're right. It was uh, it's 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 uh, Abraham was the other the boxer's name I was remember, not the promoter. I was trying to remember the two yeah. the two guys from Germany in that tournament. I was right. trying to blank for a second. Yeah, so, so they they yeah. had it that way. And, it, and if there was like a, I think if if you had two promoters, let's say it was you know Kessler versus Abraham. If you had they had this you know then it, or assuming that let's say the Kessler had had another German promoter. You know, they would split it 50-50 because the venue is in Germany. Like U.S. promoters, let's say it's Goosen and, and Debella, they would split the revenues 50-50 because, you know, the fight's happening in the United States. It's two U.S. promoters. Um, they would consider that no matter what the seeding of the fighter was or how many points they had. I guess in the Super 6, they, there weren't seeds. There were just, you know, guys who gained points and they, they would, you know, be, you know, uh, rated that way. Um, but it's a 50, 50 split part then comes when you, when you get someone that's a major star and if, if you, it's like, if we were putting tournaments on and they were major deals, what do you do if a Canelo Alvarez, you right. want him in the tournament? Right. Yeah. That, that was the one, the one thing I was grappling with in, in the article I wrote last year. And, and at the time Canelo didn't have to deal with the zone. And I was saying, well, you just got to put that on pay-per-view, <laughs> you know? And, and, uh, you know, I mean, he's a big star. He might choose to opt out. And if he doesn't, you know, you just kind of have to negotiate that, at, you know, as it goes. I mean, obviously, you can't do like a World Boxing Super Series with a Canelo because his, unless you're just negotiating individually with each fighter, you know, at each stage of the tournament, which is, is unwieldy, you know. But, I mean, he's he's such a big star and, and his, you know, compensation is going to dwarf whatever you're probably offering in, in the tournament as, as, as compensation, so... Uh, see, I, I think Dazone uh, could do their own with the middleweight right now with Canelo. Absolutely, and they just pay him his thirty-five million a fight. Part of the deal, and say, here's the deal: we're going to run a tournament, three fights, right? You know, and then Triple G will get the same deal, and and maybe you got to pay uh, Charlo more to get him into it, but you can get you know and just get the eight best that you can middleweights and and shit. I bet you sell a ton of subscriptions that year for Dazone. Advertise the heck out of it, right? Just just get the fighters to agree that you know. The winners of these fights will fight this, you know, and, and you know, I guess, you know, it, it would be easiest to actually to do it on pay-per-view. But if it's the zone, you can't do that. So you kind of have to come up with like flat fee purses for these guys, um, you know, but it's doable. Or, I mean, listen, H- HBO did it. You know, they did the heavyweight tournament when Tyson won it back in the 80s. And, yeah. you know, I, you know, well, well, go ahead. Um I'm just saying Triple G and uh, and Canelo already have these mega deals we know basically set up to fight each other. I mean, Triple G gets a bonus, supposedly a huge bonus he fights Canelo. Right. So for those two, I don't think you have to worry about it. But the other guys, you could have it as the deal is incremental. The pay increases every round of the tournament, you know. But you could also have it that there's a bonus structure. I think we talked about this earlier. A bonus, like if you got someone from outside, a, third, a different promoter to enter the zone for the tournament, say, hey, you get a million in the first round, but if you win, there's a million dollar bonus when your tournament run ends. Hmm. So that way, it's an incentive to keep showing up each round instead of holding out because round two you show up and now it's a two million, but a two million dollar bonus when it runs. So you're like, by the time it, if you make the championship, you have you better show up for the championship. If you have three million dollars, you haven't got paid yet, just floating there, extra waiting for you. Hmm. 
Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's any number of ways you could cut this, you know, as, as long as, you know, the fighters are willing to get in there with each other and the promoters are willing to put it on the line. And again, you know, there's there's different there's different uh, structures to this. I mean, I think the World Boxing Super Series really simplified it where they just basically paid the fighters flat fees and the promoters got a percentage of that fee. Um, I think soup, the Super Six was a lot more complicated. <laughs> Maybe Cali, having participated in the Super Six, uh, uh, learned from you know the, the complications of that and, and, and you know simplified it much more in, in the World Boxing Super Series. Um, but I mean, listen, with, with with the weight divisions in the World Boxing Super Series, you didn't have superstars. You know, you had a lot of guys who you know are are well known in in the boxing community, but no, like you know. Uh, kind of mainstream stars, like, but I mean, honestly, in boxing, there really aren't a lot of mainstream stars. I mean, you've got Canelo and uh, Canelo. <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe the heavyweights, you know, maybe you know, top rank would claim that, that 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 Tyson Fury is a breakthrough star now, and the PBC would claim that Wilder is, and certainly in Europe and England, uh, Matchroom would claim that Joshua is a massive star. So, but uh, yeah, I would say none of them are. They're, they're stars. They're not massive. But a year from now, if they end up uh, at least a couple fight each other again, I think a year from now we'll be talking that whoever's viewed as the best heavyweight a star, a massive star. Absolutely. If, Absolutely. if things work out the way we hope, it's, you know, I mean, now that we got Fury Wilder for sure seems to be happening, that's a, that's a chance to catapult one of them to make a start. But it's funny because I was just ready, I think in the sixth round last night, to tweet, can't wait to see that Ortiz uh, uh, Ruiz unification bout. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think they didn't send it because the fight ended. No, it's not. I think it was like literally 30 seconds before the KO. I was writing it up. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. I, I lucked out on that. Well, listen, that yeah. That would have been embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, Ortiz was, was, I mean, it wasn't a particularly exciting or action-packed fight, but Ortiz was banking rounds, man. I mean, he, he was definitely way ahead in that fight. I mean, you know, Wilder obviously has a lot of confidence in in his eraser, that right hand, and uh, it was well-founded last night, but still... <laughs> I mean, I had to cause a little bit of anxiety. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this is great. Every big fight's going to be just, you know, we're losing them. <laughs> but uh, we, we did. So, no, but I think next year they'll have a mega stars. And, but, again, that's where the promotional problems come in because, you know, what if, uh, you know, I mean, if Wilder or Fury wins, there's a good chance that either one of their promoters kind of denies. Let's say Joshua beats Ruiz and Wilder beats, you know, or Fury beats Wilder, either case. There's a chance that Top Rank just has no interest in putting Fury right away. They they tried. They think they can cash out him as a pay per view draw without fighting Joshua Wilder again for a while. And we're stuck waiting to see that happen. Honestly, I mean, all of this is a result of you know these each of these promoters playing keep away from Joshua. <laughs> I think you know at, at a certain point, like last year. You know, Joshua looked unbeatable and he looked like like the biggest heavyweight in the sport. And, and Eddie Hearn was posturing like that and, and negotiating for, with that, you know, with that perceived leverage. And you saw, you know, I mean, and, and he was a little insulting to, to Shelly Finkel. And I think Shelly got pissed off and and basically decided, well, you know, screw you guys. Um, we're going to play keep away. We're not we're not, you know, we're you know, if you guys think it's a 60 40 split, then we're going to, you know, keep Wilder away and, until it becomes a 50-50 split. So, you know, they, I mean, obviously, right right before the Ruiz-Joshua fight, you had them announce 
two fights. You you never. I mean, sometimes you you hear them announce the next fight, but two fights ahead. Like they announced both the Ortiz and the Fury fight, just to basically say you're not going to see us. You're not going to see us. You know, for another couple of years, we're not going to fight you. Um, and then and then what happens? You know, Ruiz beats Joshua. <laughs> it's like oh shit. You know, we we could have had a unification. You know. With with Wilder well, and Ruiz. Unification, if, if, if Ruiz wins again, unification seems pretty likely. Ruiz Wilder seems like a sure thing. You'd if think, Wilder but if Fury. they're tied to the Fury fight, well, what if Fury beats Wilder? I mean, they, they've completely blown the that, opportunity so. to unify all the belts. <laughs> well, the Snickers man can run with it for a while. I like seeing him hold the titles. I like that. Ah, listen, I mean, I, I, I love that he threw a spanner in the mix, you know? I mean, it was very tiresome listening to all the bickering back and forth. I mean, I'd love to see a unit. I mean, you know, no matter who it is, you know? I mean, listen, if it's Wilder, if it's Ruiz, awesome. If it's Fury, if it's Joshua, great. You know, just somebody. Somebody. You know? I just like I just like seeing someone that represents the typical male body as a champion <laughs> instead of the specimens of Wilder and, and Joshua. We got someone that's like I can that's the type of person I can emulate. That's a that's a world class athlete right there. Makes me feel better about myself. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean yeah. I'm not kidding either. <laughs> I mean my, my worry too though is is just that if 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 Wilder, I mean and, and then you know this is something I think we both wanted to talk about, but let's say let's say Wilder, you know, and, and Ruiz do you know are, are victorious, and they do fight each other, and then the PBC goes through with this uh, PBC belt thing, the PBC champion. I mean, now we don't know, we don't know the details of all this. This was just what's his name, Bill Wanger? Is that his name, Bill? Or uh, yeah, Wanger. Yeah, Wanger. We'll just call him Wanger. You know, the, yeah. the Fox exec who who was talking to Chris Mannix, talking about, uh, you know, the PBC having titles and at heavyweight and, and, and junior middleweight and welterweight. I mean, it's fine to have like a ceremonial title and all that. But but if it's used to just like stay in a silo and to play keep away with like the best fighter in the division and have them not fight, you know, the the other best fighters out there. Um, you know, I, I really have no taste for it. <laughs> you know, I'm just, it's, I mean, I get nervous about it a little bit because yeah. it reminds me of MMA with UFC, which I'm sure a lot of there's, I see guys on Twitter, boxing fans would cheer for that, but I, I want to see the money go to the fighters, the boxers, and that's a sure way to keep, to get the money going to the promoter because the boxer, if, if they can get unified titles in those divisions and suddenly replace them with PBC titles. And those PBC titles are not just ceremonial, you know, that they actually become defending titles that you have to defend. Well, that means to win the title of the championship, you have to sign with PBC. Just like if it's just like UFC, you have to sign with UFC to even get a title shot. Right. And and technically that's a violation of the Ali Act. The sanctioning organizations can't do it. But if the whole point is we're not a sanctioning organization and courts allow that, then that changes the game. Now you, we're back where we were pre-Ali Act. Or you have to sign with the promoter even to get a shot at the title. Right, right. Yeah, I mean that, that that's another question. I mean they they, they would have to you know if if it's going to be like a, a real title. Um, I mean I don't know. There, there's a lot of questions I have about those PBC titles, and and they've talked about it before and never done it. So I don't know if all of this was just you know Wanger talking to people at the PBC and them just you know. Fantasizing. I also or... <laughs> did not. I did not like the way Wanger. The Wanger did not seem enthusiastic about co-promotion with other 
with other entities. Yeah. When you I, talk about 99% of the boxers are, I mean, it's straight up, you know, old fashioned MMA UFC language that we have it all. We don't need anybody else. Yeah. That's, I don't know, man. I, I just have no, that, I just, I can't, I can't countenance that. That's just bad. That's bad for the sport, man. That's really bad for the sport. The whole silo thing is just bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it, it, this is and this sounds like this is the plan. This was phase two, isn't it, for PBC? This is in the court documents that a phase two plan where they're gonna they're gonna become the UFC of uh, boxing, and uh, that's where the the whole uh, wage share idea was with the PBC that they somehow they were gonna do uh, revenue sharing with the boxers, which some boxers already got revenue sharing. I mean, if you're a huge champion, you I mean. Uh, Mayweather gets eighty percent of whatever comes to the you know whatever right. sold for his fight, so he's already got a wage share. Right. So I don't know how it works with the other guys, but yeah, that's uh, makes me a little nervous because um, I'm, I'm a PBC fan, I'm an Al Heyman fan in the sense that I like that he does more for his boxers than anyone in the sport. He's raised wages probably more than anybody because he's forced other promoters to compete. Right. But I still don't want anybody to have control over I, the idea that one entity has control over the sport. I just don't like that idea. I'm firmly against it because it ends up. People forget one of the major parts of the Ali Act was it was it was intended to prevent monopoly in boxing. And so if they can find a way to you know skirt that, and and get back to the old ways where the promoter controls the title, then that's that's a that's a sure way to gain a monopoly over things. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think it's. Yeah, I mean, but you know, having said that, I mean, um, you know, PBC has kind of survived a, a couple of uh, attempts to litigate uh, an antitrust claim against them. Um, you know, and and I, I guess you know, post uh, Golden Boy and, and top rank litigations, it's like you know how you know is it's it's very tough to prove antitrust these days in in, in boxing because it is kind of. So, you know, there, there are so many different competitors and now so many different networks that are uh, televising it. And, you know, it's like, how do you prove monopoly? I mean, if, if these guys decide to take their ball and go home and take all their fighters and, 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 uh, and have their own title, um, which, you know, to me, that's, you know, getting out of antitrust, you know, now they're, you know, they have to deal with the Ali Act, you know, if they're going to be a sanctioning body and a, you know, entity as a business, I mean, they, they would kind of, you know, they have to put out ratings, they have to have some sort of rules and regulations that they, you know, publish to, to the public. Um, but do they, but do, I mean, that's, if they're, if they're claiming that we're not a sanctioning organization, if they're saying the Ali Act specifically affects sanctioning organizations, Right. That we as ourselves, as a as a TV entity, is issuing a title and ranking only fighters within our entity. I mean, that's does that violate the LEA? They're they're just going to say we're not a sanctioning organization. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, the the definition of of sanctioning organization under the Ali Act is really broad, <laughs> and and that's definitely a point that hasn't been litigated. Um, so it, it would be interesting to see, you know, and again, you know, who has standing to bring, uh, a claim, it would either be what the, the AG or, or fighters. So, you know, yeah, a boxer. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd have to have a fighter bring the claim and, and, uh, you know, they, they have to allege some sort of injury that, that they've suffered because of yeah. this organization. Yeah, you have to have someone outside Brandon and claim it's. A, I mean, I, I see an argument under the Ali Act that's a restraint of trade, but they, they, who's going to bring it forward? And I, I just, 
I mean, who don't? I mean, and not uh, geopolitical, but with the uh, with uh, the Trump administration and their attorney general, who seems kind of uh, if you if you filed now, if you did it now, and it went to the court system with uh, with uh, Dillingham on the as the Department of Justice, the antitrust division and stuff, uh, would the would the Trump administration with would, would, would they would they shoot it down? His attorney, because that's the attorney general. The Department of Justice is the one that investigates this stuff, isn't it? Under the Alley Act, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, you know, generally, I mean, I, I don't know specifically how. I mean, I haven't looked into, you know, how the Trump administration has treated antitrust, but you know, you would think generally with, with a conservative administration that they they'd be less into enforcing <laughs> the antitrust laws because. You know, trying to keep things. They, a small they have a government. very mixed record. They have a they have a history recently, it's not recently, but we've noticed that they enforce it, but they seem to enforce it uh, haphazardly against uh, based on uh, I guess uh, if you look at they write a lot of amicus briefs in favor of companies that seem to be uh, with people that are friendly to the administration, and then against those that are not friendly with the administration. Right, right, right. So right. I don't. So well, if you um, you know. I mean, you know, my, my I would bet against, and uh, you know, it, I think it would have to be brought by by fighters, you know, um, who who would be willing. But, to, yeah, to I mean, that, that was it. one of the reasonings behind throwing out the Golden Boy uh, right. toppering cases, wasn't it? Because it wasn't brought by fighters. The other problem they had is they were accusing um, uh, accusing PBC Al Hamid of doing something that he hadn't achieved yet. I mean, it's hard to sue for having a monopoly when you haven't achieved achieved the monopoly yet. Right. Right. Right, you know, they're saying this is his plan. Well, you know, what's the damage? There's no damages if he hasn't done it yet. Right, and even even if they just you know tomorrow decided to kind of just go insular, I I, I don't think you could claim monopoly. <laughs> I mean, there's just too many other people who have big stakes in 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 the industry, and there's no barrier to entry, and um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, his share of the market's not overwhelmed. I mean, they have zone. Uh, I guess the zone boxers and uh, and top rank are probably bringing in just as much money right now. Yeah, probably more. I mean, on the zone, <laughs> but uh, but but you know, in general, I, I don't think the boxing public would 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 really. I think there would be a lot of backlash. I, I think if they try and go it alone with their own titles, I think there would be you know nasty backlash um, against yeah. it. And, so, and, and, just and a bad idea. Is, you know, <laughs> yeah, and when I when I I should bring up too when I talked about my association have one title. There is one bad thing is that as weird as it drives people nuts that there's four titles, it actually seems to increase person because there's four champs and four challengers, and the champs and challengers always make more. Right, absolutely. And so multiple belts. If you limit it to one belt, it actually limits the leverage that you know the number the number of boxers that have leverage to get big purses. So I would really, if you had an association or term, you'd want to you want to find some way to do. to even if you're trying to eliminate the titles, to do something to increase the number of the boxers that some sort of a, a, some identifying feature that makes them noteworthy, so they increase their purses. So either you have a super belt that the four champions fight for, then you know you'll find you get that, or like you do a tournament, just getting into it makes you noteworthy. But you got to do something to to separate the top boxers from everybody else. Otherwise, all the attention just goes on the champ. There's one champ, and he's the only one, and then whoever's challenging him are the only ones going to be making any money. Right. Well, I mean, listen. I mean, one of the big complaints, though, is that that you know, amongst fans and you know, mainstream fans, is that you don't know who the best is. I, I mean, I think that's why you know, the idea of the tournament, uh, 
and you know the way the World Boxing Super Series does it. Yeah, I mean you have you have uh, at the end of the day, you know who the best fighter in the division is, and they're the Ali act. You know, you you know if you want to make them like a super champion or something, you know, great. Um, but you know if you have it every three years. Um, obviously the sanctioning fighters are going to do what they want to do. If these guys aren't willing to make mandatory defenses, they're just going to strip them of the title and, you know, make their own champs again anyway. I mean, if you, if you look at, you know, any other sport, um, you know, uh, every year there's, there's a different champion, like let's say college football, every year there's a different big 10 champion. There's a different, you know, um, national champion after, after the tournament, but you know, each year they have to, you know, it, it kind of like, you know, they go back to the, to, to everyone just competing for it again. Um, I mean, that's the thing. I, I would think if, you know, if someone wins this tournament, I mean, my idea was to have it every three years. Each weight division goes every three years. And in this way you would, you know, you would allow the champion to exploit having won it, you know, and whoever the promoter of that champion, you know, they, they, they get to exploit it. But then, you know, it, within a couple of years, if he's still in the same weight division, you got to get back in the tournament, you know, and prove yourself again. Um, yeah, I like that idea too, because I, I think you, if you have it every three years, you, you want it rare enough that it actually brings attention. Because you, if you're doing every every weight division every year, that's just too many tournaments. Too many that's just too you much boxing. To, yeah, you boil it down. <laughs> you can pay attention, and suddenly these become important, and then you know. And then three years from now, it's probably a whole new crop. If you do it every year, it's going to be a lot of the same guys should be in it. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, listen, the the World Boxing Super Series has ha, did that. You know, they had the cruiserweight yep. tournament. Uh, you know, back to back years, and listen, it's been great. I, I love both tournaments, but the first year, obviously, when you crowned Usyk and you had like all these undefeated champions fighting each other, that was amazing. Um, this year, there hasn't been as as big of enthusiasm about it. Um, you know, and, and I think it, it kind of shows you need you need to give the the, the divisions a couple years to regenerate. You know. um and i think that that's what's fun too if you have like independent ratings you know people can track the ratings and you know that you know these guys have to fight you know a certain level of competition to get into the ratings you know and uh and when it you know and just like in 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 college football people start really paying attention to the rankings when you're getting towards the end of the season and you're you're seeing who's going to be in the uh in the, you know, the, I don't know if it's called the BCS, like the BCS tournament, you know, who's going to be the top four teams, you know, there's interest in that. And I think with boxing, you could generate that interest, like who's going to be in the top eight, or even if you made the tournaments, just four man tournaments, if you wanted to make them shorter, you know, who's going to be the top four guys, you know, you pay attention to the ratings. I mean, to me, you know, to, to, to do what other sports do to generate interest, I think is, you know, you're, you're not reinventing the wheel. And I think it's, you know, it's tried and true. And it's also, I mean, the hard part gets them, where do you air it? But it also, by having, if all the promotions are working together and that people know to watch these tournaments, you, you can sell the TV rights for a lot more than they're getting right now. That's it. That, and, and John, to me, that's, that's the incentive for them to work together. People are like, well, you know, what's, you know, why don't they do this? You know, what, you know, what, what are, you know, how realistic is it for them to, to all get on board with the structure? That's really what's always driven the sport. That's what drives business. It, it's just money and, and vision, you know, to, 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 to see that, you know, working together, you're going to make more money. I mean, that just, that's just the bottom line. I mean, you put on, you know, and, and you also, go ahead. you also increase the value of less important fights because, okay, let's say we're going to have a tournament, pick a weight class. Uh, let's just do, I guess we do Lomachenko. Let's do, I guess, middleweight. It's so easy to, 
think about her because super middle, I just don't see Smith being a draw, <laughs> but, uh, right. but we got, you know, we have these big fights at middleweight Canelo and, uh, we do Walter away with Crawford and, and the whole PBC crowd, but some of those guys aren't as well known. Like if we have Crawford and Spence in one round, that's a huge fight. It's going to be you know, right now. It's a huge fight. It'd be a huge fight for this. But if we have Porter and someone else on another tournament, it's not as big a fight right now, but if it's in the tournament and people are aware of this tournament, they're going to pay a lot more attention right. just to that fight. So right. suddenly it's a much more valuable fight than it is in the current universe. And even if the big names Pacquiao and, and Crawford and Spence get knocked out, let's say, well, the final round is between two people that, that weren't those three big names, but they made it to the final round, the championship, it's still, it's going to be suddenly a massive fight because they, they're the last ones left. And so you have this thing where you're not dependent on just the one guys, whenever the one big name guy for middleweight, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't be dependent on just Canelo when he fights to have a big middleweight fight. You're like, no, all the middleweight fights become suddenly much more intriguing and get a lot more fan attention than they would before because they're part of something. Absolutely. For people to follow. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, listen, the Super Bowl doesn't have, you know, the, the Cowboys and the Steelers every year, you know, I mean, or, or the Cowboys and the Raiders or whoever the, 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 the most, you know, that definitely not the Raiders. That's my team. God, they haven't, you know, I think it's the Super Patriots Bowl. now are the biggest Patriots. Guy. There you go. Cowboys, Let's go. And, Cowboys Patriots. and the Patriots. Yeah. That, that, you know, it's, it's, and those two teams have never played in the Super Bowl. Um, but ideally, you know, if in boxing that, that, you know, that, that would be the big fight. Right. And that's the one that the only one that people want to see. Right. Well, no, I mean, the Super Bowl every year draws massive, massive ratings. And, and it's because, you know, there's integrity. There's, you know, you, the, you know, the best play the best. And, you know, sometimes the Patriots, you know, on that particular week, they're not the best team in, in, in the AFC. And, and obviously with the Cowboys, you know, sometimes they only make the playoffs. So, um, you know, I, I just think, you know, you have to have a structure that, you know, boxing is obviously lacking this structure and the structure that every other sport has seemed to have caught on that, gee, this works, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, the fact that you have, and especially now you've got like literally more money than the sport has ever seen being poured into the sport and it's being poured into essentially three or four different entities. And if only those three or four entities could, could, you know, see the vision here, um, you know, we can make it happen, uh, and, and and that's really the, the the frustrating part of it that they that they won't work together yeah. like the tried and true other sports. <laughs> yeah, I, I just go. I agree that if you have a, if you did this, you'd bring actually a lot more money, and there'd be a lot bigger pie to split. But splitting that pie, I still don't know how the promoters work together to split that pie. And at what point do you not need promoters because the tournament entity itself is already is already guiding, which is already dictating how much money is coming in. They're the one drawing the money. Your promo, your promoter is no longer needed. I think that would be the fear of promoters. Like, oh, we're not needed because the tournament takes care of that. They're the one that sells the space. They're the, they're the advertising, the marketing. They bring in all the money. Why would a boxer need me? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, you're seeing it with Canelo now, and and you saw it with Oscar De La Hoya years ago. There, there comes a point where you know certain superstar fighters don't need a promoter, and they, and they can go out alone. But the vast majority, I mean, you know, someone's got to put the fights on, and and most of these fighters don't have the wherewithal, you know. Um, so you know, promoters are definitely needed. You know, they they are an essential part. Well, of the I mean, sport. but it'd be like, but it'd be kind of like PBC does now, where a lot of their boxers don't have promotional agreements and that they sign guys one off at a time. And Wilder, who's Wilder's promoter? Right, I mean, right. I mean, Bella, but I don't think he's, he's not. Right, but but Al Heyman is, you know, 
kind of acting as a de facto. I mean, he's, you know, it, yeah. it's untraditional in that you generally don't have boxing managers negotiating um, television deals. It's usually the promoters because they have the exclusive rights of the fighters. Well, Al flipped that and, and uh, you know, basically signed all the fighters and, and did not have them sign promotional agreements, but he has control. It's still an entity that has control of the fighters. Um, and well, yeah, I mean, PBC is almost the blueprint for your tournament in some ways because he gets a bunch of fighters together, then uses them as a as a as a group, an aggregate to to sell to Fox. You know, right. he's not selling though that ad space, that big that big deal he got was not for selling individual fights. It's like you are going to get PBC boxers, and we and, and that's we'll put them on, but you get this, you know, we get a lump sum from that. Right, right. But I mean, I guess just the legal structure of, of how it's set up, you know, with state commissions and so on, there has to be a an event promoter, you know, who who puts it on. And obviously the 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 P, the PBC kind of farms that out to, to mostly Tom Brown and, you know, Leon Margulies these days. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. And I know that there, you know, I mean, people also look at Devin Haney and they say, wow, you know, um, this is a kid who, who didn't sign with a major promoter and and uh and managed to make his way and and you know now he's a world champion you know but you know eventually he did have to sign with a with a major promoter but but it's just it's just hard it's hard to do it that way i mean you look at mikey garcia too where mikey's has he signed with the pbc or he signed with al Heyman, but you know pretty much makes his own deals uh but you know he's he's had some difficulty with that you know and and uh and uh, I mean, he's made a lot of money, but you know, some people definitely argue that his he's you know his career's foundering a little bit because he's just chasing money. He's not you know, you know, planting his flag in one division and 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 uh, making the most of that. But but yeah, it's the wild west. But, he is, but he's making <laughs> but he's making a lot of money. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, he's picking is, and choosing. If he fights Pacquiao next, he's, uh, he's probably gonna make a lot of money. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how wise it is to, to I mean, he's, he's, yeah. to me, he's not a welterweight, but, but, you know, listen, yeah, Mike, Mikey's doing his thing, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to criticize it, but he's, I mean, I've heard him complain that, you know, it's hard because, you know, uh, I mean, if he's not fighting within the PBC, um, which he, which he pretty much has been, but, but it was just kind of like, wow, I just feel like I'm fighting on other promoters cards and, you know, and other promoters aren't going to, you know, do me any favors. <laughs> Yeah, and the, and the other big problem for him is that his weight division, he's kind of like the Roberto Duran position where he has to go up to get the huge money fights, the big right. money fights. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yes and no. I mean, I think he's got a big money fight. At, you know, he had a big money fight at 135 with Lomachenko. He just chose not to do that. Well, that's, I mean, <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, well, that's the discussion of the whole show is the Lomachenko is uh, with top rank and there's no working together. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, you think that would have been see under under your system, we would have seen that play, it, or at least right. would have had the chance if once both of them failed in the tournament, they could have right. been one and two seeds and right and got knocked off before, but otherwise we would have got that fight. Yeah, and it would have been amazing. It would have been huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you know, definitely the odds are if they had done a lightweight tournament while Mikey was still down there, you know, they would have been one and two seeds, and they would have fought each other. It would be a freaking massive fight. But uh, it's, yeah. But all right, let's 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 try it. Uh, let, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying that's the way to end. That's a good way to depress everybody that we could have had it, but no one listened to you. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we can't have these nice things because no one will listen to Kurt. Yeah, you know, just no one. I, I, I don't, you know, well, listen, they all, they all have their own businesses. They're all trying to do the best thing for their own businesses. But I don't know. I, I disagree on what the best thing is for their business. So let's put it that way. But um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm looking back at the questions that we have. We've kind of touched on a lot of the stuff, like how realistic it is to get all parties on board. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the part that always thinks everything we're talking about. Right <laughs> right. It's like, oh, it's great. Then we get to that, like, yeah, not that's this is not going to happen. None yeah. of this is going to happen. Getting the fighters to to form, you know, an association. I mean, even in MMA. Um, and I mean, you know, I I kind of wanted to get to this. I mean, you know, the the first podcast I, I did with you, you know, at the time it just seemed like you know the the there was a massive battle within the sport. Um, you know, to, to, to just see how it would be structured. You know, you have the antitrust suit. There was, you know, the, the uh, Ali Act uh, legislation going on. There was also a, a big movement to, to form a union. Um, so where, you know, just, just in terms of, you know, boxing looking to another similar sport, I mean, where, where are we with all that stuff? And, and you see, you know, a, a fighters association, um, you know, uh, coalescing in, in any anywhere in, in in the near future. Well, the I'll say okay. We'll go through uh, the Ali Act. Uh, never got out of committee, and it hasn't been resubmitted. I think the truthfully, I think there's there's they don't think there's much hope with the Trump administration there, so they're going to wait till after the next election to get submitted again. Uh, so that's that's dead in the water right now. That's interesting because uh, wasn't it wasn't it a Republican uh, congressman who who proposed yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mark Wayne Mullen. Mark Wayne Mullen proposed it, and, right? Uh, and he got uh, forty five uh, co uh, he got co sponsors. Forty five co sponsors. You know, it's, there's a whole game about who you you don't go for the super liberal guy to be the first one to be the co sponsor, and you work your way up. So no one, you know, you don't. It doesn't suddenly become like let's say a conservative or liberal bill, right? But uh, it's just uh, the the support for it. There's you know there's members of the committee that wouldn't it wouldn't get out of committee even with that amount of co-sponsors. It it just you know it doesn't take much to get one guy to derail it. And uh, also the fact that um, with Trump's uh, relationship, not just to Dana White but Ariel uh, Emanuel, the uh, the owner, uh, the head of uh, William Morris Endeavor that owns the UFC, he's tight with both those guys. Very close relationship. And also, uh, 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 uh the, the head of the uh, antitrust division, used to lobby for Endeavor. Uh, that I, I don't think anybody thinks that it would survive, even if it got passed. Mm. So it's like there's no there's no motivation to push for it mm. until after Trump leaves office. And then you've got the antitrust uh, case going on right now. It's we are waiting to hear if it gets class certified. That'll be huge. If it is, that if it does get certified, that means it goes ahead into. It has to pass summary uh, judgment, but it'll probably at that point you think it would. Then there's appeals, but if it gets past that, then it goes to trial, and then it gets really interesting. So we still have that. That's potentially a game changer for the sport of MMA, uh, for UFC, and then the last one is uh, I've never been big on a union, not because I'm a, I'm a very pro union guy, but in combat sports, boxing, MMA, unions, uh, a union would be particularly weak, and um, and I think we see it. There's there's no, there's no way to get the solidarity to get a union together. First of all, they're declared independent contractors, which makes it really hard to make a union because you technically can't make one. And then on top of that, 
it's just the it doesn't take much to to break up the solidarity because your career is so short mm-hmm. that if you get an opportunity you're not gonna you're not gonna turn down an opportunity for a fight because this is one of the few that you can make money on. Right. So that association's slightly different, but that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. The only one that's really pushing for an association is the MMAFA, and those are the ones behind the All the Act and the antitrust bill. Or not antitrust bill, but the antitrust lawsuit. So that's that's another one that's not drawing a lot of support from the mass of fighters. But I, I think it has more potential because you don't need to get a union. You need solidarity. You need everybody in it to, to make so you can like have a strike and stuff like that. So you can put a work stoppage. An association. You just need enough people that you can start getting legislation and things done mm. and then get the ball rolling. So I think an association, an MMA, there's some potential. But really, I think the only way it's really going to happen is if they, let's say they win the antitrust suit, then I think you might see a lot of fighters thinking about it because it's like, oh, they actually did something mm. that worked. That's interesting. That's interesting. But, I mean, yeah, is, there, then, no. so, is, is there like a... Uh... <laughs> kind of a, a, a cleavage uh, between, you know, the, the haves and the have-nots in terms of uh, forming the association? Or, I mean, are, are the fighters who are better paid uh, more reluctant? Or what, uh, what what is the breakdown of people who, who are for and against? I think it's, it's everybody. There's, if you talk to guys off the record side, you'll see that the the biggest supporters of an association are probably the, uh, not the, the top stars. The top stars are, they don't want to rock the boat. They're making the money now, even though technically they're the, probably the most underpaid guys in, in MMA. I mean, when you look at a, a top pay-per-view draw, let's say, I mean, we know from the, the antitrust, bill that, uh, not the antitrust, but the antitrust lawsuits, the unsealed documents, that George Sampierre had an event that drew up $28 million to $30 million in revenue, and yet all the fighters combined on that made $3.8 million. Oh, that was, in boxing, that'd be unheard of. Unheard of. And that, that includes his opponent, everybody in the undercard, everything. Mm. So he probably made three, a little over $3 million for So he made 10 12% of the revenue. I, I think that would be unheard of in boxing. That, you're like, that's like saying, you know, uh, Canelo did a fight that drew, or Miguel Cotto did a fight. He would have got $15 million of that, at least. Right. So, what's well, interesting because so the, the you, top guys. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I'll just say the top guys. They're not quite for it. I think because they think it's it's more for the lower guys. The bottom guys aren't for an association or union because they're just happy to be in the UFC. Most of them, they're just happy to have made it. And they don't want to rock the boat either, the right? They, yeah. Well, not is that they just think this is great. I'm making more than I ever did. But it's only later in their career that they look back and go, "Man, I did not make much in the sport." It's the it's the basically the the fifth the fifteenth ranked guy that's been in the, the, the sport for a while. They're the most forward, but they're also usually very quiet because their position in the sport is very tenuous. They're dependent on the promoter to give them the big the fights they need to move ahead and make more money. Right, right. And so it's that's everybody. So you only get a handful of people that'll be publicly in support of it. Yeah, that was you know that was actually the the the, the third question that that we were going to address in, in in the boxing league one was how uh, revenues will be split in the structure and what will like wage share look like and uh, yeah I, I passed along a, a, a question from a you know a boxing writer Jose Corpus he was you know wondering like wow how how would you handle wage share in you know in a in a boxing you know league or association model. Um, because I mean, you and obviously you've done a ton of research on this, um, or as much research as anyone has done on this. Um, you know, in in MMA, maybe it's a little. You know, even though 
you know, the total wage share, you know, they're, they're, they're not getting um, anywhere near what boxing's getting, but just the splits between the fighters, for the most part, you know, you know, I mean, I've heard boxing promoters say that there's more of a, a middle class in MMA than boxing. I mean, is that true? And, and, and how would you see um, wage uh, share and also just pay, uh, you know, uh, amongst the fighters uh, playing out? It's kind of true. I mean, we you know, looking at all the pay- reported payouts and unreported payouts, and and the data from the, the antitrust lawsuit. We have you know we have a lot of stuff to work with. And I, I did surveys of fighters, you know, with the uh, off the record where they gave me their how much they made, and I used that. So uh, looking at all this stuff, it seems obvious. Okay, the the share of fighters, let's say, uh, use the UFC minimum of ten thousand dollars or more in purse is a purse. About identical amount of uh, across the U.S. Just using the U.S. About identical number of percentage of boxers and MMA fighters make ten thousand dollars or more per purse, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the uh, that's the uh, I call that the living wage. You know, the professional living professional fighter. That's that's the amount you kind of need to make this a profession. Uh, below that, so below that, about eighty five percent of all MMA fighters and boxers make less than ten thousand dollars. A purse, but the vast majority of MMA fighters at the bottom of that were boxers are higher on that bottom eighty-five percent. In other words, for those making, I think it's less than one thousand dollars in purse. It's about two-thirds of MMA fighters, but only about forty percent of boxers. So Hmm. the median of all boxing purses is around two thousand dollars, and the median of all MMA purses is only twelve hundred and fifty dollars. So on average, MMA fighters make a lot less on average. On that top 15%, then we can go up to the top 2%, those that make 200000 or more on a purse. And I came up with that number because Lorenzo Fatito once said that was the middle class, mm. which didn't make sense to me, but that's what he said. <laughs> there's about, there's slightly more boxers that make $200,000 or more a purse than MMA fighters. I think it's like 3% of all boxers make that purses and about 2% of MMA fighters. There are three, 2.8 boxers and 2.2 MMA fighters. So very close. The difference is the the total amount of money paid to that top two and a half three percent for boxers. It's like eight times as much total dollars. So the guys at the very top for boxing are making multiples what the top MMA fighters are making. Right, right. So well, is there a middle class? Yeah, there's a middle class in the UFC, but across all the fighters, people with licenses that are fighting, they're both pretty. You know, they're pretty top heavy. Well, that 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 that's another really interesting point. I mean, when you're talking about MMA versus <clears throat> UFC, you know, I mean, UFC fighters, you know, I mean, it, they're 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 fighting on bigger cards with a lot more revenue than than kind of you know the rest of MMA. Um, so you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know what UFC brings in dwarfs, you know, your all the other promoters, <laughs> you know, maybe yeah, I mean, save like, for Bellator. You, yeah, UFC. There's no there's no low end box fighter in UFC. Every UFC fighter is in that top fifteen percent. Every one. That's the minimum to get in the UFC. The thing is, is that when you look at that top fifteen percent, about seventy percent of all of them are fighting in the UFC. In other words, only thirty percent of those guys making ten grand or more are not in the UFC. And, and, and another and about twenty some percent of them are in Bellator. Right. So the two big promotions are ninety some percent of all the guys making ten grand or more. Where in boxing, it's spread out amongst you know you got all the PVC promoters and you got the guys Golden Boy and 
K2 and uh, Top Rank and uh, Lou Devella and Lou Duba, I mean, and uh, Debella. I mean, just you go across the board, they're, they're just spread across tons of promoters in boxing. Right, right. And, and you know, and as far as, you know, having like a wage share in the entire sport, I, I, I don't know that you can do that. Yeah, it, it really is dependent on, um, you know, well, just the, the level of fights. And I mean, even on, even on like a card, you know, if it's a championship card with boxing, you have four, four round fights, six round fights, eight round fights, 10 round fights, but non-title, you know, and then, and then you get into the title fights and, you know, generally the, the guys at the top of the card, you know, the main event, they, they're going to pull in the vast majority of the revenues. That's just kind of the custom yeah. practice. And I tell you, too, I'm not, I mean, I'm not comfortable saying, Guy, every boxer or MMA fighter deserves like a you know five thousand dollars a fight because a lot of these guys are just does a guy that just started for you know that just walked up the street into the gym to, into a ring to fight does he deserve several thousand? I mean he you're basically like uh, you're basically incentivizing bum fights. You're incentivizing people that have no money to get in because it pays even though they have no talent. Right. There, there's right. got to be some way to separate the first people that are in it just to get experience and then later so okay now that you've you've proven you know that you've demonstrated you have ability and your interest in this and now we'll start paying i mean that sounds harsh but if you're paying a large amount of money out to the guys that are you know five and three or, or let's say three and 28 <laughs> fighters that's an incentive to keep them showing up just to get a payday right right yeah i mean listen you know for, for the most part you look at the pbc and the top and top rank and match room i mean you know the only fighters that they have are, are guys who generally have like a great amateur background and and have some you know uh merit to, you know there's you know that they're they're expected to be you know they you, you would think that the expectation is they can become a world champion someday um but there's a lot more boxers out there who you know maybe they don't have that expectation you know um yeah. so it's I mean, like it's, i don't know that you can i mean it's not like on a on a baseball team you know maybe, maybe it's similar but i mean i i don't ever see like you know, a team model where you have like salary caps and all that. I mean, it, it's just, you know, each individual fight, you know, kind of is its own event and, and has its own, uh, you know, revenues, you know, big or small. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. Cause <laughs> the, salary cap, the, the, the salary cap was invented, two people forget, was the owners came up with that. It wasn't that the, the, the baseball players said, hey, we want, or I mean, NBA players said, we want 50% of revenue. The owners said, hey, we can't afford uh, the pay you guys, you know, with the, the we got to stop this competitive bidding for you because it's putting teams out of business. And for the and for the comp the competitive nature of the sport, we want to keep some of these franchises around that can't compete. We've got to come up with a salary cap. I mean, that's the thing. There's no teams that you, we got to keep afloat in boxing. There's no right. reason why fighters can't claim much more than fifty percent of the revenue because it's like as long as you make enough to survive i should get as much of it as possible we're not worried about the milwaukee bucks staying afloat here we're not worried about the sacramento kings right, right. so i i would uh i mean there's you could do it i guess if you had like let's say a tournament and say yes uh, a certain percent of the revenue goes to the boxers we guarantee that and and then like i said before you could come up with ways to incentivize or pay bonuses to more popular boxers by saying hey a share of the marketing revenue we're giving to the boxers team to sell you know a share of the space or uh, ad revenue and say hey you go out and find that and you get to keep all that money or or we put it on pay-per-view and there's just that deal i mean the the same thing we're going to kind of have it with the man you know the, the title split when it goes to purse fed right right it's all something like that too but you know it's but it's 
I just don't see a wage share system working, you know, like negotiate, like uh, collective bargaining in other sports. Right. The, the reasoning behind it just doesn't exist in boxing. Now, right. minimums, I mean, you could make rules. I mean, we, I don't know how you do it, but I would have no problem with rules saying, hey, if you're putting on a world title fight, every boxer on the card has to make, let's say, it's a $10,000 purse minimum. Well, you're not going to give $10,000 to nobody. You say, well, let me go get better boxers and to be on this card, so maybe the undercard will be better. Right. Yeah, I think you really have to make it dependent on, I mean, there would have to be like a X amount of revenue coming into the event to, to, to you know, and, and maybe just fix the the guarantees to that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a lot more difficult to do in the sport of boxing. You know, it's, um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's so like event specific. There's not like the yeah, fixed I mean, television revenues that you have in the NFL and all that. You know, it's it's generally... yeah. I mean, it, they have a set they have a set amount of money, and then it changes for you know we have a um, uh, a pay per view that sells you know that sells a two hundred thousand. The next one sells a million. There's no reason those two guys should get the same amount of pay because one guy literally brought in an extra fifty million dollars for the promoter. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. It, it would have to kind of change from event to event because I mean you know if the money's not there, the money's not there. Um. So the, the, the fourth question we were going to deal with was how does your structure avoid antitrust problems? We've kind of talked about that. Um, yeah, we don't, we don't know. That's my, <laughs> I don't, we have to litigate it because I don't know. There's a possibility that I've, I've violated some sort of antitrust violations. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, might have been violated, so I know. Right. I mean, obviously it's not a team sport, so, you know, it couldn't, you know, you, you it would be tough to get it in under that Sports Broadcasting Act of, uh, 1961 that that exemption but you know generally like we were saying you know if you had a, a a boxers association and a promoters association and they did some sort of collective bargaining that that would be a way to to, to try and uh, and and and, and unions uh, unions get a buy from antitrust violation but uh, mine was an association which technically doesn't that could be considered some form of collusion mm, right 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 so we're open i'm opening up a whole can of worms there's a lot of <laughs> And I remember I, I've talked to like, you know, antitrust expert professors and stuff about that. And I bring my eye up and they go, I don't know. They don't know. <laughs> yeah, it'd just be something. Yeah, I'd probably just have to, you know, work it out in the courts. But assuming someone would, 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 would bring litigation, um, which I mean, you see with the NFL, I mean, you know, the, the whole antitrust thing is still gets litigated. There's constant antitrust yeah. litigation going on in the major sports. And, and, it's never been a completely solved. Issue. The NFL, uh, the NFLPA, and the other sports uh, associations will tell you. You know, we think of them as a union with the ability to strike is what gives them leverage. But they, they, their number one tool now, and has been ever since the '80s, NFL strikes failed is antitrust. Right. That, that antitrust exemption that they grant the the owners is their number one tool of getting what they want of leverage. So right. maybe someone in boxing could use that too. Say, hey, we're going to grant you this exemption from, you know, we'll let you be a monopoly over the sport, but the only way you get to do that is give up a huge share of the revenue, a huge piece of the pie. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess the fifth question would have been, how does your structure avoid Ali Act problems? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, with, with the, uh, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll let you take that one first with the, with the kind of uh, uh, Boxers Association. Yeah, I Again, I don't know. I mean, part of it, my association is to use the Ali as their major tool as a, as a bludgeon against promoters. But 
there's, you know, my, the idea of being in a sanctioning organization, does that violate the Alley Act? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a lot of questions that haven't been answered yet on the Alley Act, have been litigated. So Right. Well, I think, you know, you and I have talked about this before. I think, you know, um, if you had, if, if, if you had this, um, you know, I mean, let, let's go with your example. Let's say if we had the the boxers forming an association and and also forming um, a structure to to administer the sport. Um, I would think that as long as they're not um, kind of you know, as long as they have some sort of independence, this this other entity, um, this sanctioning body, as long as you know they're, they're, they're they weren't like I don't know getting revenue directly from fighters yeah. and, and, and all that, as long as they set it up, yeah. you know, as long as they, you know, took pains to comply with, with the reporting aspects and the revenue sharing uh, or, or not sharing aspects of the Ali Act, I think, you know, t- t- they could, they could comply. Yeah. The, the big problem is you'd have to like, if you did, if they made their own sanction organization. You'd want to make like the, the ratings open to everybody, not just members of the association. Right, because if you made it just members of the association, you could claim it's a restraint of trade and it's collusion by the members of the association to keep other people out. But then that that gives you the problem of a free ride because no one would join the association because you get rated for free, and the association's <laughs> out there doing all the legal work, for it and you're getting none of it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I think uh, you know the the independent rating aspect of it to me would would be such a key part of you know whether it was just these tournaments the, the 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 modest proposal that i had or or uh you know the, the the players taking it or the players the boxers taking it over and and, and running it um you know i i think it's essential that you kind of have to have that no barrier to entry there has to be merit and integrity to the ratings and uh you know whatever tournaments or whatever you know championships you had i mean that's you know one thing that's missing now and and a key to having the best fighting the best is you have to have integrity in the ratings and, uh, and a structure that that, that that gets the best to fight the best, um, um, so that that's essential. But yeah, how that how that creates you know free rider problems as far as an association goes, um, you know, it's interesting. But I mean, I don't know. In in, in other sports, like let's say tennis, um, well, I guess you know, do they exclude? You know, if, if someone doesn't join the association, are they allowed to compete in in, in the tournaments? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not 100 percent certain. I mean, they have a rank. They have, they, I mean, they they organize the the um, the tournament, the uh, which is the the season, not the season, but the events. You know, you go from one to another to go up the rankings. So, I have to look into that. I'm not a tennis guy or, or a golf guy. Yeah, I think and I I'm think trying to remember how the, it, it, it's interesting. I just saw something where you know the 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 women's tour wanted to like merge with the men's tour, but you know there, there's all kinds of issues with that because you know the men are still chafing that at the Grand Slam tournaments, the, the prize money is the same. They feel like their players are the bigger draws and all that. Um, but, uh, but you know, there are different entities within that. I think that the people who run the tournaments are kind of have their own entity and, 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 you know, they, but, you know, all of them, you know, have a board that, that, that they're on and, you know, they kind of all, you know, discuss and look out for the sport. Um, you know, I, I think that's to me that that's ideally how it would work. You know, with, with with this, like you said, you'd have you know representatives of of the boxers and representatives of the promoters, um, you know, looking out for the best interest and you know creating the policy. But 
Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't think I've ever heard of, of, of any like tennis players uh, who weren't members of the association competing or, or how that's if that's ever become an issue. Yeah, I have to look into that one. I don't, I've been caught off guard. I know I looked at it at one point. Now I can't remember. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. All right. Well, last the last question that we were going to deal with, and again, I think we've already kind of brushed up against this, but what happens to the current sanctioning organizations under your model? Yeah, there's just mine would be two systems. One is that they they continue to exist, but you use the uh, the leverage of the, the the boxers to keep them in line, and the other one is you just surf them with your own uh, with your own sanctioning work you make your own that basically displaces them and so, so right i mean that's, I, that's I, a, that'll, uh, I kind of, I kind of uh, like the way the world boxing super series is dealing with it i mean they're they're working with them um but in a way you know with these tournaments to me they're making them less relevant you know i mean if you have the tournaments there and you're determining who and you have the best fighting the best and you're determining who's the best I mean, it's kind of like with college football. I mean, do you really care who the Big Ten champion was? You know, once once they get into the, like the the big tournament or, or who the you know the Pac ten or twelve, whatever it is now, uh, champion is. I mean, you really don't care. I mean, as long as you you have a mechanism where you know the best fight the best and and you come out with one champion, um, I think you know. And and you know, I think in the article I said, you know, I think that the sanctioning bodies. Once you have that one champion, they need to lay off them for like six months and at least let them make like, you know, one defense of the title or to capitalize on winning the tournament before they start stripping them and, you know, and, 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 and enforcing mandatories and all that. Um, but, but again, too, like, I, I think you had kind of made this point somewhere along the line that if you have, you know, if you have this tournament system and, and mandatories and the World Boxing Super Series does work the mandatories in. But it might encourage these guys to actually have much better ratings because, you know, they want a piece of this tournament. They want, you know, um, they want uh, part of this revenue. So, you know, if, if you have more fighters in the tournament, like if you have your mandatory in the tournament, <laughs> uh, then, then you know, you, you, you get to pick up a piece of that revenue. But I guess if they just had the champs in there, they, they're, they're going to get the revenue anyway, assuming the Well, the, the one thing that it, the World Box Super Series helps with the sanctioning organizations is the having a title becomes a ticket into the tournament. Right, right. Then that, so there's some interest. I got the way to get in the tournament is I, if I hold a belt, I'm automatically would be invited to the tournament. Right. If they want all the best guys right. for any tournament. So that, that helps. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of the same organizations make some sort of money, and if, if let's say your 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 tournament theory you know idea works and it starts you know generating tons of money, well the same thing organizations are going to be all for it because like all the money is in that tournament. Let's let's make sure my belt holder gets in the tournament so I get a piece of that so I can so I can sanction the title fights throughout the tournament. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I I, I just I don't see like you know messing with the status quo too much. I mean, you know, obviously right now you know, just with, with all the belts that the WBC and the BA are made, it's just bastardizing the term champion. Um, I think that that would be the main reason to have these attorneys <laughs> to really decide. That, that would be the number one. I mean, in a weird way, if you could do one rule, something and say that you can only have your one title, sanctioned organizations can only have one title for weight class. Right. Find a way to pass that rule and get rid of all these fantasy titles. And they're all <laughs> fantasy, but all these ridiculous, you know, diamond and, uh, 
you know, uh, uh, eternal. And I mean, just the <laughs> weird shit that they're coming up with now, you know, and it's, I, I, I forgot all the titles. Now there's just, just the constant bogus titles being made is I think hurts more than anything. Just keep it. Hey, you can be a sanctioned organization, but we like my association idea. Maybe the members can vote and say, we only will acknowledge one weight, one title per sanctioning order per sanctioning organization per weight class. That's right. it. Right. Well, I think you're seeing, I mean, I, I was impressed that uh, Deontay Wilder was just like, listen, if, if the BC tried to make me a franchise champ, I wouldn't take it. You know, I mean, I, I want to fight my mandatories. Yeah. You know, I, I want, you know, that's how I came up. You know, I, I want to be able to, you know, give guys a chance at the title. I don't want to have this thing where I have no obligations to defend against top contenders. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Um, you know what I mean? PBC, I mean, you know, if, you know, we kind of railed against the whole PBC titles thing, but, you know, they're talking about, and maybe this is bogus. I've heard people talk about how it's kind of bogus that, that they, uh, you know, they're not like, you know, they, they don't put Terrence Crawford up there when, when, uh, when, when they're mentioning welterweight champions. And, and now they're kind of taking a stance that, that they don't recognize the WBO. Although I, I will say, you know, Andy Ruiz has not dropped his WBO title and he's a PBC fighter, but, um, Which, but, but listen, you know, that, that's the weirdest thing. That's, <laughs> yeah. I, that's the weirdest thing to say. W, I mean, my only thinking is someone from Fox, because only it's the Fox that hates the WBO. Someone from Fox was a boxing fan before 88, before the WBO appeared. And in their head, <laughs> they're the ones that ruined it all. And that's it. But I will not, I will never acknowledge that title. Right. That's the only thing I can think of, because they're all they're all you know fantasy titles. Right. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I just get nervous because the PBC. It's that whole phase two. The play, I just get nervous about that. I follow the titles enough in the history of you know how they've been used. Uh, you know, I mean, people forget during the hearings. They all act. One of the big things they kept bringing up was how promoters use the title control of them to to force people to sign with them. Right. And, you know, that's one of the best things that came out. You know, the Ali Act hasn't worked perfectly, but one of the best things it's done, it's prevented, you know, guys manipulate, they, they use, promoters use the sanctioning organizations, they, they pay them off, there's a lot of weirdness, you know, with the rank, ratings, but nothing like what it used to be. Mm. Mm. No, no one really controls the titles like they used to, where, you know, they, they can work with, a promoter has a sanctioning organization they work with, but they don't outright control them like they used to. Like Don King used to in the in the late eighties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen. You know, I mean, there's definitely factions of 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 you know certain you know. I mean, who will point out that that you know WBO is is mostly Aram and Warren now, and, and I mean, and I mean, listen. I think to a certain degree, um, you know, there there are definitely promoters who work with certain sanctioning bodies and and get you know have more sway with the sanctioning bodies. Um, but I think now that there are four, there's just a lot of competition between the sanctioning bodies. So they, they, they really can't afford to, to, to favor one or, or the other, you know, if, if, if they're going to make any money. So I think that there is definitely something to that, that it's not as bad as, as it used to be. I think with the IBF, too, I mean, you know, if, if you know, my, the, my old partner, Johnny Boz, he's having a phrase. Uh, the, the 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 best yep. of the worst. I, I would say the IBF yep. because they're the most structured in in enforcing mandatories and and you know trying to have consistent eliminators. They've got process. So and and they don't have a we million can thank and one the FBI titles. for that. 
Yeah. You can thank the FBI for that. When they raided, they, you know, they, I mean, that's literally, you can point to that moment when they started right. becoming the best of the sanctioning organizations. Right. So a little bit of enforcement, a little of enforcement on the other sanctioning organizations might get them in line. Right, right. Yeah, they had to go through a little bit of pain, that's for sure, they, they, you know, in order to come out the other side. But yeah, if there's one, if there's one sanctioning body that to me stands out a little bit above the rest, it would be the IVF just because they're of their consistency and their process. Um, and, and the fact that they don't have 50 million titles in each division, you know, they haven't gone that route. Um, so. I, I do like, they also have the clearest, I think, mandatory, and then they have the whole two, the next two guys fighting to become a mandatory. And, right. Like, they have a system in place more right. than the other ones. So Absolutely. You know, they don't just pick someone, they say, you earn your shot at being the, the mandatory. And and they follow their rules, and you know you may not agree with them, and you may not agree with their their edicts. I know there have been a couple of fights uh, about that over the last couple of years, but they're not as like kind of you know malleable as 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 you look at uh, the the WBCs, you know, where just like everything is just on a whim, you know. I mean, if if, if you're in WBC land, it's you know you don't you have no idea how, how things get decided. It's just up to, to Suleiman and, and, and whatever committee, you know, um, you know, you, you have no standing to, to, to try and enforce anything. You're rating, you know, a mandatory anything. Um, whereas with the IBF, I mean, you know, they, they have process. So I, I definitely have a lot more respect for them. But but anyways, man, and, and any other things in the sport of boxing that uh, that you find interesting you want to talk about or? There's everything. The sport's pretty interesting right now. I think <laughs> with the, you know, with the the, the zone and the, with Fox's plans and put on the they're moving the pay per view and what's going on. It's just too much to actually talk about what's going on. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's uh it's a yeah, it's uh it's an interesting time. I mean, I think um, I mean the zone's interesting too because I think it's kind of I love the zone, the content, but they've kind of fallen on their face. I think in present in a weird way, they're not uh, they haven't capitalized on the what they've had as much as I thought they would. Mm. Mm. In what so, sense? You know, what sense? Just, well, I mean, in, in a sense that, uh, well, okay. Probably you can't, you can't listen to Twitter because there are some PBC fanboys that would put UFC fanboys to shame. That's uh, <laughs> they just love the PBC and everybody else is horrible. But you look at, uh, the is like, uh, I thought the Canelo Alvarez thing, the laying for the, uh, the Diaz fight was horrible because, uh, I think uh, mm. Evan Rakowski said this, that, and I agreed with him. And you're you're trying to build a subscription base. You're appealing to subscribers. You want them to keep subscribing, and you're going to worry about some other event. I mean, the the boxing MMA crossover at most is eight percent, let's say. Right. So you're going to worry about another event and make your people that pay for a subscription to watch your shows wait thirty minutes to an hour before the before the main event that they signed on for. I thought that was uh, I thought that was absurd. I, I had no problem with the KSI Logan fight, even though I have no clue who those two are. <laughs> because uh, I mean, I didn't need to watch it. I don't need to see porn stars urinating on the floor. <laughs> apparently, was happening. But uh, but I watched up to the Haney fight, then turned it. I didn't watch the main event. I had no interest. But the whole point, I think, was that no one knows really the zone's name. Their name value is almost non-existent. Outside of hardcore boxing fans, hmm. so I think the whole point was just getting the brand name out there, and in that case, it worked. Right. The zones plastered everywhere that weekend right. because of that match. That's the whole point of it: just get people used to the idea of the zone. Yeah, it's, I don't think it was even about actually getting subscribers. 
you know, making money on that event, just getting the name out there. Right, right. Well, I think they were hoping that some people would subscribe. But yeah, I mean, it's it's such a different art. And unless they're going to continue this like celebrity boxing thing, you know, and you know, blogger boxing, um, you know, I, I don't I don't know that there's a lot of crossover between you know kids who watch YouTube and and the sport of boxing. I mean, I know my daughters. My daughters actually were were you know I mean I think they kind of got off the I don't I don't know which Paul brother it was who went to Japan and was like going through the the field of the dead or whatever but they 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 liked the vines that the Paul brothers were doing but then they kind of got off the 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 boat when 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 they saw that video or heard I, I about just think it. the amount of KSI Paul Logan fans crossover to boxing has got to be much less than MMA. Right. So I'm not sure what, you know, no, I, I don't imagine people are watching them saying, man, you know, I, I look at the Danny Jacobs. I can't wait to watch more boxing. <laughs> yeah, it definitely didn't help, too, that there were like total two total snoozer fights right before the uh, the Logan Paul KSI fight, which turned out to be more exciting, which is like, oh, he's just like a face palm with that. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's they're 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 flailing they're trying to get subscribers as, as as much as they can i think they're a little behind schedule they had hoped that uh you know the the canelo and triple g and joshua fights during the summertime were gonna get them to a million subscribers i don't think that happened um i don't even know if they're still at a million subscribers um but uh but we'll see they technically they might have they might have lucked out with joshua losing because the joshua Ruiz rematch is probably the biggest fight possible they could air Right, right. It's bigger than what who Joshua would have fought without, you know, if he had lost. I mean, who who would he be fighting now if he's not fighting Fury and and uh, Wilder? Who's his opponent going to be? Well, that that's exactly it. You know, the 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 keep away plan with Wilder would have worked. You know, had had Joshua won, I mean, he'd have to be defending against you know, kind of uh, a, a no name, you know, mandatory like uh, Pulev or, or or something, you know. Um, Kubrat Putlev or, or whoever else's mandatories are. I mean, the Usyk fight is interesting, but I don't think Usyk would have fought him this year. I think they would have tried to make that. Yeah, they, they still got to build up Usyk into a name. But right. that's a fight people would be, you know, give Usyk two, three more fights, build a name, and then people are going to be clamoring for it. Right, right. Because that's, that's like, right now, it'd be, a ter- it'd be a terrible misuse of Usyk right now. You wouldn't cash in on him at all. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. You know, the December 7th, you know, it'll be, you know, it's, it's, it's a big night for boxing. Not only is it a, a exciting rematch to watch, but just, uh, in, in terms of, you know, politically, <laughs> like, you know, which, which faction is going to win out, you know, is, or is the PBC going to have like all the belts? And, and at this point, if Ruiz wins, he's free of any rematches or options from uh match room, you know, they can, they can put him in with whoever they want to put him in with. Um, or, you know, is, is Joshua gonna, you know, take the, take the title back to DAZN? Um, it's a big night for DAZN, that's for sure. <laughs> I'll be watching. You know? <laughs> I gotta, I can't, I can't cheer against a man with a 40 inch waist stuff. I gotta be honest. <laughs> I, uh, I am a, I am a fondness for Ruiz, but, uh, it goes way beyond, uh, just boxing fan. I just like the, I just love his story. I love that no one gave him a chance. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, if he wins, he's without question the biggest story in boxing this year. And yeah, it would be tremendous. And like I said, I would love to see him and Wilder fight. Let's unify all the titles. You know, I'd love to see you yeah. know someone legitimately call themselves the heavyweight champion of the world. 
I guess the one good news out of the lack of the big the big heavyweights actually fighting is that a lot of uh, B sides got big paydays. Right. That we went through a period this year that uh, we're talking what uh, five six guys made million plus purses fighting them and up to ten million now for a week. So it's uh, we spread some wealth by not having just Fury fight Wilder and or Joshua. Right. Right. That's true. That's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess that's that's kind of the the spanner and the whole uh, let's organize this thing and have one champ per division is that, you know, the, if you have like four main guys out there, you know, money does get spread around a little bit. But but I don't know. I think, yeah, if you have a tournament, too, you know, you're going to be spreading money around. And, but, yeah, you also got to get them to fight. Otherwise right. I mean, I mean, every other fight's fine. Give someone a payday, but come on, you know, <laughs> just every. I want to fight at least every other fight should be against each other, the top against the top. Not right. uh, you can give them a one-off and let someone make some money for once. Right, and you know who yeah. made that point was 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 Dana White, and I, I guess that will we'll, you know this is the last thing I'll, I'll throw up to you is. Uh, you know, Dana was going to make that big announcement in uh, in, in October about Zufa Boxing. And uh, October kind of came and went. And, uh, and obviously, I think the the IPO not coming off was was, was kind of the, the, the you know, reason behind that. But what's your read on, on where uh, Dana's going with uh, Zufa Boxing? I really don't know. I'm not hearing anything. I mean, the people I know that, you know, that are, that uh, probably the same people you know or everybody else, but that are kind of tapped into that before. They were sure that you know Endeavor was going to do something with PBS and not PBS, PBC. PBS would be more amazing. But, uh, <laughs> PBC uh, it didn't uh, even. I mean, people forget. Even um, Dana White said we're definitely be working with PBC for Zupa Boxing when he talked about it in September when he's making talk discussion about the big. There's going to be announced in October and then November, and nothing happened. But uh, the word is, everybody seems to think, and I, it seems to make sense that the IPO, the failure of the IPO, really, uh, put, the, uh, really put a dent in whatever their plan was, either with PBC or on their own Zippo Boxing, because they, that was money they needed, they wanted to spend on, on uh, expanding in the boxing. And now it's going to go probably everything. Now they got to scrump all their excess money to pay off uh, Michael Dell, because he's getting such a huge return on his uh, shares. Mm. That he uh, the, the the loan or not the loan, but whatever uh, his uh, his shares that he bought of the Zufa when he bought Zufa uh, is a is a premium and pays a much higher payment than normal, and mm-hmm. he gets a guaranteed first of all profits. So they're trying to they got to get rid of Michael Dell out of there to make a profit. It's something like thirteen you know thirteen percent interest and it's guaranteed and whatever. So. They they have to get uh, they have to get rid of him, so that money's going to that, not going into boxing. So I don't know if they're scaling down the boxing plans or what. I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, there's so many there was so much talk before that they had these big plans using the uh, Performance Institute and uh, their new uh, their new studio in Vegas, and you know they're going to do all these things, and now you're not hearing much. Right, right. All you have you are know. just kind of the. The, the shows that they have on Fight Pass, you know, uh, currently, I guess, yeah. De- Debella and uh, Roy Jones are, are putting on shows there. Maybe Salita Promotions, yeah. I think, might do a few as well. A few overseas, uh, lower weight class belts that aren't commonly known. They play it too, but that's it. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Well, maybe maybe yeah, one day we'll, we'll have that big announcement from Zufa. You know, it's been, hey, only been promised for about I mean, two years. 
yeah, it's supposed to be the relaunch too of Fight Pass. I thought Fight Pass was supposed to be a big part of it, but we still we have not we have nothing. But that would be interesting because we'd have a whole other player entering the sport. Right. Absolutely. 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 Well, all right, my man. Always a pleasure uh, talking boxing and MMA with you, John. Uh, you know, hope to uh, hope you enjoy the yeah, rest of your Sunday. Yeah, you too. We you know we never even got into even discussing jabs. Their first attempt at a boxing association. Ah, but uh, that's not. People can look that up on their own. There's <laughs> <laughs> a failed attempt back what 15 years ago. I was gonna whatever. say, yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're they're. You I mean listen? I remember uh, sitting at a, a show uh, that the Bell Entertainment put on here in New York, and and you know there was like a local labor union that that was there and there were big talks about uh you know uh, a boxing union you know trying to get off the ground and uh for whatever reason yeah it just um you know the the the, the sport is just so diffuse that it's a world I mean, sport basically it's the same reason i was gonna i was gonna bring up that's basically the same reason why i don't think my idea would work for the same you know you just can't get people to commit to it it's it's there's just the, the mentality of fighters are hard they won't uh the solidarity is really hard to get out of boxers and MMA fighters. Right, right. Well, maybe it's just one of those things. You know, you 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 know, if uh, if if someone you know just puts their head down and makes a concerted effort and is able to uh, get just enough fighters on, and and uh, I don't know, someone sees some value in that, and uh, and the promoters kind of get it together. You know, maybe uh, once once it gets formed and and these guys get smart and 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 try to work out something together, maybe the the rest of the fighters will buy in. We'll see. <laughs> maybe I mean the, the closest problem I could see is PBC guys. Val Heyman got his guys right on because there's solidarity with Heyman. Right. You know, that, that, where you see where you want to see with unions, you see with the boxing union box association, you see a lot of it with the Al Heyman boxers. Absolutely, absolutely. He would wield a lot of power. Uh, you know, no, no matter what uh, structure you want to put it in, he's he's going to have a lot of power. He's got he's got the biggest roster in the sport. No two ways about it. No two ways about and, it. And they love him. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, my man. All right. All right. Well, take... All right. It was great. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. A lot of fun. Always fun. And uh, you know, take care. And uh, you know, have a have a good Thanksgiving next week. You too, you too. And uh, hopefully we didn't scare off too many of your listeners with a long-winded <laughs> discussion of something so esoteric as, as this. Absolutely. Yeah, for the 10 people who listen to this, though, I think I think they will really enjoy it. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of crossover show money, The same, probably the same 10 people. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, my man, take care. Take care, Chris. Bye. All right, bye. And that will do it for another edition of the Boxing Esquire podcast presented by The Ring at ringtv.com and distributed by the Leave It In The Ring Network. I'd like to thank John Nash for taking time out of his Sunday to talk to me. Uh, If you like the podcast, please leave a comment or a rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Audioboom, SoundCloud, or wherever you access the Boxing Esquire podcast. I really appreciate it as it helps new listeners find the podcast. And also, do not forget to check out my companion piece to this podcast on ringtv.com that features quotes and background on my interview with John. And until next time, so long, everybody. Did you get what you was looking for?